We often hear about what order you should contribute into which accounts for retirement savings. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 350, Joe and Big Al explain the reasoning behind that sequence of retirement savings and where an HSA, a health savings account, fits into that sequence. Following some retirement plan spitball analyses and Roth conversion strategizing, the fellows will explain whether capital gains are taxed progressively, how required minimum distributions are taxed, and what the... They also revisit indexed universal life insurance, a favorite topic from days gone by. Plus, Joe's got a second career in the works, and we've got derails galore. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Answering money questions again, we've got Craig from Michigan writes in. He's, he's like, wondering how you see HSA fitting into a retirement portfolio. I've noticed in listening to your podcast, the order you suggest is one, 401k to the match. Two, max out Roth IRA if eligible. Three, go back and max out 401k. Four, money into brokerage account. And then five, which Craig missed here, um, is look at conversion opportunities. There you go. Wow. Yeah. And so, why why is that? Why do we well, why do we talk about that? Is if you do it this way, you're automatically going to be diversified tax wise if you, you do this long enough, right? Because you'll at least we know you'll have something in the Roth IRA as long as you qualify for it. So most people just go four hundred one k that put their blinders on and that's all they save into you, right? And then you know thirty years later they got a couple million or a million bucks in their four hundred one k plan and. No other assets. You know, and if you're just starting out and you only have a couple thousand to invest, you're probably just going to be doing number one only, 401k match. But as you add, add to your savings, this would be a good order till you kind of get to number four, which is put any extra into a brokerage account. So, all right, back to Craig on with HSA providing an initial tax deduction, retirement-free growth and tax-free distributions on eligible medical expense, where would you put contributing to an HSA in the order um, above order of retirement funding. As long as someone is comfortable with a high deductible insurance plan, I see this after three in the order above, if not after two. Thanks for everything um, you all do on this podcast. I've learned so much over the past year listening to you and I have laughed along the way as well. Um, I have a cockapoo that I walk as I listen to your podcast. It's like a, like a toy. Yeah, cute little pup. <laughs> um, okay, so where would you put or HSA? I'll explain what an HSA is. Well, it's a it's a health savings account. It's a savings account. You have to have a high deductible health insurance plan. So many of you don't qualify, but let's just assume that you do qualify. In other words, you have a high deductible health insurance plan. An individual could put away $3,600 per year, a married couple, $7,200 a year into the plan. And then if- You receive a tax deduction for the 3,600. That's right. And and then it grows tax-free as long as the money is pulled out for medical expense. So it's actually one of the best accounts there is, right? Because you get a tax deduction and tax-free growth and you never pay tax on it. So it's actually pretty useful. And then let's say you have money that's accumulated in there, but if you don't use it for qualifying medical expenses, then it's taxed or after age 65, I believe, or yep. once you're Medicare eligible, 65, um, yep. Yep, you are no longer eligible to use um, <clears throat> or to contribute to an HSA. Right. And they have a, it's a, it's not only if you, if you use it for something other than qualified medical expenses, you have to pay the tax on the income 
well, it's all income. It's there's no basis, right? So you have to pay tax on the whole thing plus a 20% penalty until you hit age 65. And then you can roll it into an IRA. You could, and then you could, right. And you could also, um, you, you could just pull money out for non-medical expenses and just pay tax, not the 20%. But the thing is that the reason why it's, there's so much benefit there is, is qualifying medical expenses are pretty broad and virtually all of us, all of us are going to have that over the course of our lifetime. So to get a tax deduction and have it grow basically tax-free and you pull it out and never pay tax, it's, it's pretty useful. So the question is, where would you put it on this chart? I would go 401k into the match. I'd max out my Roth IRA. I'd go back max out my 401k with okay. money into a brokerage and then they HSA. <laughs> no, I don't have an HSA. So, right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I get his point. I think it's probably after two, right. Yeah. After you max out I, your Roth. I, I think Craig, you're right on track. You could argue it's after two or three, depending upon how you want to think about it. It's probably, it's probably more valuable than going back to your 401k just because of the tax-free nature of it. But if you, if you're very healthy for the next 25 years, it's, it's almost kind of, it's going to feel like lost money in, in a way. I don't know. Right. I mean, that's also assuming that you'd never have to use it for medical expenses. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Which you probably will. I mean, you, you could. Yeah. I'm pretty healthy and back surgery. <laughs> Fighting. Right. I, yeah, mean, I know. Right. I mean, that wasn't cheap. Right. And so, well, and of course the idea you have a high deductible health insurance plan. So if you do need something like back surgery, you're out of pocket, 10 grand or whatever the numbers. Right. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like HSAs quite a bit. I, I get we, we don't really talk about them all that much. Um, no, because most, most, yeah, most people don't have them. But I, Craig, I think you're on the right track. I think you could put it after two or after three. It doesn't how I don't doesn't really matter. Yeah, and you can invest HSA plans too, just like a regular IRA or a brokerage account. Um, you could have it in cash, and they have like almost a debit card yeah. where you go to CVS and you know you buy your whatever that you need. And you, right. I, I don't know what the auditing system is on HSA. I, don't, I don't think very much. You know I, I, mean? I think I had. So one, if I go to eight, let, let's say I have an HSA. Plan. Yeah. Right. I go to CVS. Right. And I buy a case of <laughs> Coors, Coors Light. Light. <laughs> I, just, I knew you were going there. <laughs> right. You yeah. think, I mean, is I don't know. It, I, it's, I might it's, be, and I need medical attention. I'm, I'm, I'm a little thirsty. That's, well, that's, Hydration. That's, that's how you relax. It is. Yeah, part of your R and R. Yes. Well, they have I think, set items that you are and are not allowed to use, I believe. And I don't I, think Coors Light is on the no, list. No, but the question is, do they audit? And the answer is, I've never heard of them. Oh, but if it's a debit card, right? You know, and they bring up Coors Light, and I put in the the, the debit. The, my yeah. ex girlfriend had like the HSA debit card. Yeah, right, right, and used it for whatever. So. Yeah. No. The and the thing is. It, and this is true of taxes in general. You can do whatever you want until the they question system. it. Yes. Yeah, you're on the honor system. All right. We got hello again, Big Al, Joe, and Andy. Not necessarily in that order. This is Lee from Jacksonville, and I appreciate that you answered my question in podcast 338. Just so you know, that was asking about uh, your opinion on structured notes. Got it. Mm, okay. All right. Um, uh, what did we, uh, did we say? We loved them, hate them. <laughs> you don't even know what you said? No, I know what I said. <laughs> I know uh, what you said, Dave. <laughs> uh, we'll do we'll do this question. I have a new one that I probably should have asked first, as it's more important to our path towards wealth. I receive 100% VA disability and will for the remainder of my life, as I'm categorized as totally and permanently disabled. Uh, in addition, if I 
kick the bucket before my wife. She receives a dependency compensation check each month. Uh, we are pretty far off from retirement. I'm age 45 and she's 43. Probably will only need about $60,000, $70,000 in today's dollars each year um, when we get there. I currently receive $48,000 a year. That increases with COLA, like Social Security, due to my VA status. I am covered 100% for medical, dental, and vision. And my spouse also receives medical insurance through me, which will cover any cost as a secondary insurance to Medicare in the future. We have about 13 years left on our mortgage, and it's done. Wife makes $130,000 a year and plans to retire at age 64. All this is to say that we have a significant amount of cost covered in retirement. Since we have um, current retirement accounts totaling $500,000, we also have about $30,000 sitting in cash. Is it your opinion that reducing the risk on these investments in the current contributions towards both max Roth IRAs and max traditional 401ks is a smart move. Given that we are guaranteed a good income in retirement from both my VA compensation, compensation and future social security, virtually all of our expenses will be covered without needing much of the retirement money. Thanks again for your ideas on this. So, okay. VA compensation, he's making $50,000 a year with a COLA. That's all tax free. Yep. Um, so, my strategy for Lee from Jacksonville is going to be a little bit different than because he'll have room in the 0% tax bracket and the, the lower brackets. So I don't know if I would fully fund Roth, uh, but he does have 175,000 in the IRA already. I would want to run some numbers. I would probably split it just to um, uh, let's see 130,000. They're in the 12, they're in the what 22% tax bracket. They'll be in the zero percent tax bracket probably in retirement. Yep, I would say so. And and plus with the VA income that is tax free, probably the Social Security will be tax free too. So but the he, only thing that could trip that up would be RMDs. RMDs. Yep. Yep. But he so could he, he could convert. You know, um, if they, I mean, I don't know. Who knows what the hell's going on? They'll probably get rid of conversions here soon. Uh, <laughs> So in the next decade, we'll see. Yeah. In the next decade. Yeah. Just because one guy had like a billion dollars in his Roth. Yeah. True. Uh, well, let's kind of ruin it for everyone. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, this is a tough one. Just, but here's what I would do. Lee, you just run some numbers a little bit and then get on an Excel spreadsheet and then kind of map this thing out. I, I, I don't know, because a lot of your income is going to be tax free. The RMD is the only thing that's going to blow them up. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not sure at his young age, um, 45 and he's already got a lot. Um, most people won't have that big of fixed income, large fixed income to cover all of his expenses and it's all tax free. So, sure. um, he's sitting really pretty. I don't know. I, I, just maybe bite the bullet and do as much Roth as you can until they, they change the law. Yeah. I'll go with that. Download our Retirement Readiness Guide for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to do your own spitball, see if you're on track for retirement, and learn strategies that can help you get there. 
From the show notes, you can also access other free financial resources. You can ask Joe and Big Al your money questions. You can share YMYW to spread the word and help us grow. And you can schedule a free one-on-one comprehensive financial assessment at a date and time that's convenient for you with a certified financial planner professional on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. To get started on all of that, simply click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Hello again, Pure Financial Crew. Um, I was so excited when you aired my email, but was kicking myself when I didn't provide that one piece of info regarding my income. I make $80,000 and my husband makes $40,000. I was hoping to optimize taxation. So I was thinking of converting to Roth when I went part-time. I will be making $40,000 at that time. Al, so intelligently (laughs) questioned why we had so little in our brokerage account. Joe said that maybe something major had happened. Both of you are correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. Don't even know Annie from Texas. Yeah. Um, we already like her. Though. Yeah. We had a little start, uh, had a little late start investing. We paid off our mortgage about three years ago. That was the major change that sent me on this journey. Uh, we used the money that was previously going to rent and started investing for retirement. I know many financial advisors do not recommend paying off your mortgage, but in my case, it was the best thing. It freed up so much income. We bought too much home and 45% of our income went to the mortgage every month. When we paid off the mortgage, uh, we did not inflate our lifestyle. We learned a budget and invested what would be going to the mortgage. Um, I've attached a previous email in hopes you could answer my original question. I know Joe was thinking I could just throw everything at the Roth 401k, but Uh, Now, but would that be the best strategy in our situation? We are very disciplined and would like to stick to the best tax optimization plan you spitball for us. Um, Yes, I would still stand by my recommendation or my um, spitball. Yeah, you always go with that. (laughs) Roth 401k. Roth or die, baby. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) That's coming out. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the... Well, the, what was the original question? Um, okay. At age 50, we'll stop making these contributions. Do you recommend I change my 401k contributions down to Roth 401k? So that was yes. Yes. Do you recommend I change my allocations now and add more monies into brokerage? I would max out Roth 401k. I would max out Roth IRAs. And if there's still money left, yes, then you would want to go to your brokerage account. Um, we, uh, we also have, how much should I convert that? That was the, remember she said that they, they made 120,000. We didn't really know how much was his versus hers, yeah. but now we do know that. So she makes 80 hubby makes 40. That's 120. She's going to go to halftime and make 40. So 40 plus 40 is 80. Is it? Yep. I'm top, I'm top of the <laughs> top, of your game, top right? of the game right now. So, and if you're, if you're going, if, if you want to convert to the 12% bracket, that's 80,000. Now you get a $25,000 deduction roughly for standard deduction, which means in that example, you could convert about $25,000 and still stay in the 12% bracket. You know, you could add another 80,000 to that. So you're, you're a little over a hundred thousand to stay in the 22% bracket, something like that. So it depends upon what 
bracket that you uh, are eventually going to be in. Yeah, I think you just go to the top of the 12. I think so, too. I mean, basically looking at the assets that you've accumulated so far. Yep. Yep. Go to the top of the 12, Roth 401k, Roth IRAs. Yep. Um, and then if then look at your tax return and say, OK, where, where do you think you're going to fall? Just remember the top of the 12 percent tax bracket is 80,000 of taxable income, not gross income. Yeah, that's important. So that that's 120, 105,000 of gross income minus the standard deduction to get you to 80. So 100, 105,000 is kind of your target for income. So if you're at 80 now, add another 25,000 Roth conversion and, and you're there. So um, as you are working full time, making 120, um, I probably would not do any conversions. I would just do the Roth 401k, Roth IRAs. And then once you go to part time, then I would start doing the conversions of, you know, 10 to $25,000 a year to stay in that 12% tax bracket. Yep. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Andy, for the um, follow up. Um, okay. We got Paul from New Jersey. Um, he knows my wife and I. Uh, make about $200,000 a year combined uh, using the 80% rule uh, that says we need about $160,000 a year. 80% rule of gross is what he's saying here. Okay. Yes. I think that's what he's saying. All right. Uh, yet when I subtract out the money, we never see taxes, social security, unemployment insurance, 401k, IRA contributions. We spend, spend about $8,300 or is that oh, 83,000? Right. Um, I will get a $32,000 pension, have about a million dollars in deferred accounts and $240,000 in Roths. All right. Using that 83,000 number, I think I can retire at 60, accounting for 2% inflation, healthcare premiums included. What am I missing? Why do the <laughs> experts tell me I have to work until 70? Signed, confused 60-year-old. Uh, all right. Uh, Paul, you're right on track. Rather, ignore the experts, um, or maybe you're confused on what the experts are saying. You look at what your income, you're spendable. What are you spending? Right. Right. It's not necessarily you're replacing 100% of your gross. Yeah. You hear that, you know, you're going to, you need to replace 70% of your income. It's like, well, is that 70% of net or a gross? gross or, no one ever says that. It, don't, don't even think about that. Take a look at what you're spending. So you know what you're spending, which is great. A lot of people don't. If you don't know what you're spending, look at what your net pay is for a payroll and multiply it by the number of payrolls. You get paid once a month, 10,000 bucks, 10,000 times 12 months, 120. That's probably what I'm spending. Right. Right. Maybe, maybe you're having to dip into savings. And so you're spending a little bit more or credit card debt, or maybe you're saving a little bit more on top of that. So maybe you're spending a little bit less, but that's, that's what you need to replace. Right. I mean, this is total spitball back of the envelope, right? Um, you, you could model this out even further, um, which we would probably recommend that you do if you want to retire at 60, but it's, um, you've saved a ton of money. Um, I don't even know if he has a mortgage, maybe his mortgage gets paid off in, you know, five years as well. And so that's a, another reduction of, of fixed right. income. Yeah. Right. Um, so look at your lifestyle. What are you spending? A lot of times people will spend a little bit more in retirement too. You might want to travel. You might want to, you know, fix up the house. You're right. going to do different things. So, you know, just kind of play with that as well. Yeah. And that's a good point. I think a lot of times the experts say you're going to spend less in retirement because you don't have to commute. You don't need to buy the, the, the good clothes. Our experience is for people that have saved money, they spend more because they have more time for leisure, more time for travel. So just keep that in mind. Um, yes, because you are right on track. All right. Thanks for the question. Confused 60 year old. Hopefully you're not confused anymore. Um, and go ahead and retire. Tell your boss to go pound sand. <laughs> 
<laughs> got that t-shirt coming too you do yes. wow you got a bunch I, it's gonna be that's my second <laughs> career al making t-shirts perfect uh james from arizona writes in joe allen andy thanks so much for your podcast i have a quick question are capital gains taxed progressively like income or do we pay the same tax rate on all long-term capital gains after the gain amount is added on top of our just gross income okay I did a Roth conversion earlier in the year to take me to the top of the 24% tax bracket. Uh, With home prices skyrocketing this year, we took advantage and sold our second home for a net gain of $225,000. How will the capital gains tax be calculated on $225,000? We are married, finally, jointly. Taxable income after standard deduction will be $326,500, top of 24% percent tax bracket plus another $225,000 long-term capital gains equals 551,600. Does that mean all of the $225,000 will be taxed at 20%? Thanks so much for clarifying this. This is James again from AZ. A couple things that James has to consider here of A, what capital gains tax bracket is he going to be in? Correct. And then also is he subject to net investment income tax. Correct, on both. And by the way, uh, it is progressive, James, but we'll explain because many people won't know what that means. So so if you look at your total of your your taxable income with the capital gain, 551,000. So then you compare that to where does the 20% rate start on capital gains? It's about 500,000 for a married couple. So about $50,000 would be taxed at 20%. And the rest will be taxed at 15. But hold on here one second, because your adjusted gross income as a married couple is over 250000 So you're going to have to pay an, another 3.8% uh, for the net investment income tax. That's on top of the 15. So it's really 18.8% on, you know, let's call it 175000 roughly of capital gains, and then 23.8% on about 50000 something like that. So... To say it another way, um, there's two taxes that, so he's looking at a progressive tax. And what that means is that um, on ordinary income, we have multiple tax brackets. You got the 10%, 12%, 12, uh, 22, 24, and so on. Yeah. And let's say if you fall into the 24% tax bracket, that doesn't necessarily mean 100% of your assets are taxed at 24%. Yeah. Some are taxed at 10, some are taxed at 12, some are taxed at 22, and so on until you reach you know, whatever that number is um, that hits that bracket. Sure. Capital gains does the same thing, but there's only really three brackets. Correct. There's a 0% tax tax bracket. So that's anything from um, to the the 10 or 12% tax bracket. Yeah. Then from there, you got the 15% tax bracket. And then after that, you got the 20% tax bracket. However, you're there is no really progressive tax on the 0% because you're still going to be um, well, it depends on if it's all capital gains or if it's all ordinary income. He's got ordinary income, so it doesn't necessarily matter in this case. Yeah, so, so I, a way to think about this is you sort of calculate your ordinary income first, which is what you've done, James. You gave that to us. The The taxable income would be about, call it 330000 300, roughly. And so then you put your capital gains on top of that to figure out which capital gain rate you're in. Well, you're in the 15%. You're We're well past the... $80,000 top of the 12% bracket. So none of the capital gain is taxed zero, right? But 
but most of it, as I mentioned, is taxed at the 15% bracket. And then until to, you breach the that, 20%, yeah, which is at 500,000, about, about 500,000, 501,000 to be more exact. But anyway, so that's where you hit the 20%. But we're just saying there's an extra tax in there that's completely unrelated to capital gains. It's called net investment income tax, which you have to pay on capital gains once your adjusted gross income is over 250,000, which it already is, which means the 100% of this capital gain, you'll have to pay the 3.8% on as well. So um, hopefully that wasn't a surprise for James. <laughs> well, it, I, I think it's maybe it was a good answer for him because he wanted to make sure it was progressive, which it is. So in other words, it's not all taxed at 20. Yeah, well, yeah. So he, he, he might've thought it was all taxed at 15. Well, he, he was thinking, okay, well, you know what, this, this extra $225,000 is, is that going to be taxed at 20%? Yeah. And the answer is no. Correct. Only about 50,000 of, yeah. of that is going to be taxed at the 20%. Right. But then of course, but it's, it's actually 24%. It's, call it 24. And so really, when you think about it, there's four capital gain rates. There's zero, there's 15, there's 18, we'll call it 19. There's 19%, there's 24%, rounding the 3.8 to four. So. That's Those are the, the four brackets. All right. Hopefully that helps. Uh, thanks for the email. Okay. Um, we got some podcast uh, questions that came in from our survey. And these are just like random yeah. questions. Sure. Okay. Go for it. In the 24% tax bracket, there are multiple buckets of taxes to be paid. Okay. Um, yep. This, multiple buckets. True. How does one figure out the um, what does one figure out the what the after tax income will be when RMDs start? Okay. Uh, do you follow well, that? I think you could take the word the out. It works better. So I think they, they want to know what what's the tax rate on my RMD? What the? <laughs> what the? What the? What the? What the? What the? What the, what the tax? <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty upset. They it's like what? <laughs> what the? What the <laughs> For example, we have to pay three and a half percent extra on investments. Eighty percent of Social Security's tax is all of this before, or after the twenty-four percent tax. Okay, so yeah, what, what's the tax rate on the RMD? <laughs> <laughs> Required minimum distribution when you're seventy-two and older, uh, out but, of your retirement account. But what the? What the, what, the, what is the after-tax income will be? Okay, so he, he's looking. He's got RMDs. He needs to know, or she knows, or whoever this person is. What 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 rate? What what can what, they spend? What's my tax rate? I, I have no idea. So how did the tax work? Yeah. So he's thinking he gets an eighty percent, or she's thinking he gets an eighty percent tax on Social Security. That is not true. No. Right. So it's zero fifty or eighty-five, <laughs> but you're close. Eighty-five. 85% is of social security can be taxable. Not an 85% tax. 75% or 85%? <laughs> 85. No, it's not 50 and 15. Huh? 75. 75? 85. 85? Yeah, why the hell am I getting confused on that? I don't know. Zero, 50, and 85. <laughs> yeah, you are right. Now you're questioning me. I know. Now I'm questioning myself. I know. I mean, <laughs> look, at, look at your chart there. Yeah, I don't know why I'm. You yeah, think it's, it's everything? I don't know. I don't know yeah. what the hell I was thinking. It's early in the morning. Anyways, let, let me ask. So this. 85% of your social security is subject to tax. Correct. It's it, right. Oh my God. I just kind of <laughs> just blew that one out. Okay. So 
85% of your social security is going to be so it could be 82. It depends on the formula. It, can, um, it could, right. It, it, it's save, 50, save uh, yourself. I know it's 50% <laughs> to 35%. Depending it's on a the graduated schedule. schedule. It, is, it is a graduated schedule. But I think if you're looking at your required minimum distributions, think of that as extra income over what you already have. So you got to go to your marginal bracket. If you're already in the 24% bracket, if you add more income, it's going to be taxed at 24%. If you're already subject to the 3.5% uh, tax or 3.8% actually to be exact. So the 3.8% net investment income tax is not taxed on required minimum distributions, but it might push your other, other income, tax, yes. income higher to where more of your dividends are taxed. So you kind of, I mean, if you want to know exactly, get TurboTax, put, put the required minimum distribution in with and without and see what the extra tax is. But Quick answer is go to your marginal tax rate. That's the, the tax you're going to pay. Did you catch when Big Al said, look at your chart there to Joe? That's because the fellas don't know all these ranges and limits and rules off the tops of their heads, and you don't have to either. Get yourself a copy of the 2021 Key Financial Data Guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and use the exact same guide that Joe and Big Al use. You can see at a glance the 2021 tax brackets and capital gains tax rates, retirement plan contribution limits, taxation on Social Security, Medicare care premiums, and more credits, deductions, exemptions, distributions, and exclusions than you can imagine. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and download the 2021 Key Financial Data Guide for free. Uh, we got, hi, Joe, Alan, Andy. I'm M from sunny Florida. I drink champagne. <laughs> wow. Nice. That, might, that might be a first for our show. That's champagne. Perfect. I drive a Pontiac G6 convertible circa 27. Yeah, that looks pretty nice. Yeah, that looks like a Floridian for sure. Drinking oh, for, champagne. Yeah, I wonder if it's red. I don't know. Uh, that no longer converts. Oh, oh that's, well, too that's too bad. Um, Wrong show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, look at that. But I'm bummed. <laughs> um, I have a striped house cap. I turned 40 this year and I realized I had to grow up and get serious about investing. Married with two kids under five. Gross annual income over a million. Effective tax rate over 30%, but happy not to pay state income tax. Well, congratulations, M. All right. My husband has held uh, the financial reins for most of our marriage. Uh, he believes we will always be in the highest tax bracket and that capital gains tax rates will continue to rise and someday equal normal income tax rates. He doesn't want to put a ton of money into a taxable account, so we purchased IUL policies that combined cost $300,000 a year. We are now in year seven into a 30-year term. A combined surrender value is currently $2 million. We were sold these by a family member, and my husband is adamant on keeping them. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> the the, the, the don't, plot thickens. thickens. Don't, don't make the husband mad. It's going to be hard. <laughs> we have $750,000 in Roth. We have converted all of our retirement to Roth. We have a million dollars in a taxable account, $50,000. Um, his business investment. Five hundred thousand. Um, excuse me. Five hundred thousand. What yep. did I say? Fifty. Fifty. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Mister Zero. Yep. Uh, Five hundred thousand. His business investment. Um, he is a W two employee um, with private equity investment. Okay. 
Okay. okay. We got $600,000 in 529 plans, $33,000 in the HSA, and $25,000 in real estate. We max out 401k, backdoor Roth, and HSA. Husband will, um, at some point, inherit over a million dollars from same family member that sold the IUL. Oh, so you got to be a little careful there. I wonder. Is that little, <laughs> I think there's mom or dad. That could be or. Yeah. Spouse only bring uh, spouse only buys single stocks in Bitcoin equivalents. Yeah. So, but, so does that mean is that M? She is, I guess, the, the spouse. Um, M's <laughs> husband. About seventy percent of the portfolio. Oh. I've added index funds to the portfolio. Thirty percent of the portfolio in the last two years in minimal real estate. We have no bond funds, only stocks in Roth and taxable. My attempt at financial literacy has caused marital stress. I am uncertain where to direct the money going forward. IUL will likely stay. Hub says, think of IUL as a giant bond fund, guaranteed returns, less volatility. Do you think keeping this giant IUL and treating it as a giant bond fund moving uh, moving forward with a reasonable, with a more reasonable bond index fund, 90% or more stock portfolio is a reasonable financial plan. How much to invest early outside of this IUL and stay on track? Yearly. Okay. Thank you. Should we add bonds at some point? Do we keep putting all retirement in Roth if possible with these tax changes? Thoughts on that big 529 plan? Can we transfer, not change beneficiary on account to a nephew and ask them to pay us some of the money? Uh, Thoughts on penalty withdrawals later? Random tidbits. Would like to retire early. Oh, $700,000 on our home. You all are hilarious and sometimes helpful. (laughs) Sometimes. That's the operative word. (laughs) Occasionally. Uh, Yes. Thanks for that. Are you interested in buying my convertible? Uh, It's a hard top. Uh, no spam, please. Have a great day. No spam. What, what are we going to spam her? No well, idea what she's talking about. Do you? She doesn't oh, want what? Because I like spam? Yeah, she doesn't want us <laughs> to send all kinds of emails to her. Oh, well, maybe I have a spam sandwich that I enjoy eating. You can convert that to, yeah. Got it. <laughs> okay. What the hell is going on here? So M's husband is... Related to a Northwestern mutual insurance salesman. <laughs> that's, that's a guess, but that could be a good guess. Um, so what, what's, a, what's the IUL? Start, Index Universal start, Life Insurance. Start policy, there. Okay. Right. And so why people invest in the index or why it's sold is this, is that in Index Universal Life Policy is that you're purchasing life insurance and it's after tax dollars that is going into a life insurance contract, right? Yep. The cash value of the life insurance contract is growing tax deferred. You don't pay any tax on any of the growth within the life insurance contract. When you pull the money out of the the contract, it's FIFO tax treatment, first in, first out. So you're taking your basis out of the contract. There is no taxes. And then any of the growth that happened within the contract, you take out as a loan. So the IRS says, okay, well, they don't classify a loan as a taxable event. Right. And so you're taking a loan from yourself and you're then taking money out and you're growing it tax-free. The husband is saying tax rates are going to go sky high. Capital gains rates are going to be the same as ordinary income rates. And we're going to lose half of our ass 
It's to tax. And so let's jam all of this into an IUL policy. Yeah. And so the, the, the family member, um, you know, that has thousands of trophies and trips from whatever <laughs> mutual fund or whatever mutual life company um, this individual works at. Sal- salesman of the year. Salesman of the year. Got it. Right. <laughs> trips that they're selling this policy. We're selling this kid like a million dollar policy a year just to jam $300,000 into it. Um, so, on the surface, does this make sense? Okay. Well, there, it depends. It, it like index universal life and uh, versus whole life is two different things. Let's say if it's whole life, you get a guaranteed rate of return. Index universal life is kind of like the BS kind of um, the the index annuities, where hey, it's it's a fixed rate, but they're buying call options on their general account, and you could uh, exceed a little bit more, but you're never going to lose money, and blah 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 blah. So if he's buying it thinking he's going to get stock market like returns with no risk, that's going to come out tax free. that's not the case here. Doesn't happen. Does he need the life insurance? Well, sure. He needs some life insurance. They got two small kids. Right. And he's making a lot of income. And and, and both of them have a million dollars of income combined. Right. And so she's now listening to our podcast and probably some others. And so she's having some marital stress because she wants to do things a little bit more fundamentals. Let's buy broad-based diversified index fund, low cost tax manage it. Right. And he's like, no, we're going individual securities, Bitcoin, and IUL. Right. I would have marital distress too. I would get a divorce. <laughs> if my wife, well, future um, ex-wife would be like this, it would be over. It, yeah. So it's not what we would recommend, but is is what is there anything good about this? So we can we can preserve her marriage. It's a ton of cash. <laughs> I mean, God bless it. I mean, they got $2 million in this. So, you know, the, the problem is, is that most people don't fund these policies correctly. Right. So they get sold this bag of goods that, hey, this is going to grow tax deferred. And then there's a corridor within the overall life insurance policy. And as long as you maintain that and don't create a MAC, you can create a tax free account. I don't know if he's creating a modified endowment contract or not. He could be. And then it's kind of form as a in, in annuity. It does seem like a lot of money going in. $300,000 a year might be like for, a $5 million policy for somebody this young. Right. Yeah. Well, let's see. She turned 40. How about him? I don't know. It's probably similar age. Well, yeah, we'll assume 40. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Modifying endowment contract. If you put too much money into these, in other words, the IRS doesn't want you to have too big of a savings account when it, when it relates to these kind of life insurance policies and it it can mess up the whole thing. So um, unless you design it that way, which I don't think they did. Um, So I'm not a fan of IUL whatsoever. If let's say this was a reputable, let's say Northwestern Mutual and it's a whole life policy, sure. Um, you know, you you probably got a pretty good, you know, fixed rate of return um, at a relatively low cost. But I well, I can't stand. I think it's sold, but, but what, what, he's funding it okay. Yeah. I, I'm guessing, sure. But you have very little flexibility. So when you want to start taking some of this money out, right? And then, so are you going to reduce the te- um, death benefit? What type of policies? I mean, is it multiple policies? It, it, it sounds like. Um, how are you investing within the overall policies? It's just a pain in the ass. Right. If I, because it, it's after tax and they're trying to grow this money tax deferred and then tax free. Right. So the, some people call this thing the giant Roth, which is almost illegal to even think about. <laughs> I think today, if you tax manage a non-qualified account appropriately, you can control the taxes um, 
not as good as tax-free, but almost. Right. Right. Because there's tax loss harvesting opportunities. If you can control the taxes, you can go very low um, in expenses. You can go very low in turnover. That's going to keep a lot of extra income off your tax return. If you think that capital gains rate is going to turn into ordinary income, I don't know. That's that's kind of a far-fetched, but it could happen. Yeah. I mean, if you make over a million dollars a year, Biden said that that you was, know, discussed, that was discussed. Yep. And so he might be freaking out because of that. But he's 40. And so he's putting this much money into like kind of an, in my opinion, um, and other life insurance lovers are going to come up and blow me up. But I, I hate the strategy. I just think you got too many hoops. Um, in, I think you could do it better, easier, with a lot less expense, because he's still there's so much expense in these policies. And you still have a cost of insurance. So that cost of insurance as he ages is going to continue to increase, right? And so as he's taking money out, he has to keep these policies in force for the rest of his life. right? And maybe that's fine. And maybe that's his plan. And maybe it's a legacy plan for his kids and so on. It sounds like they're very successful. Um, but I don't know. I would much rather have $2 million in a brokerage account than $2 million in an IUL. Well, I, I would too. And I don't know as much about these plans as you do that, you know, to me, the downsides are that there's a lot of internal costs. The rate of return over the long term is probably not going to be that great because you're paying for that downside protection. In other words, if you're in the more in the market, yeah, you're going to go up and down. But if you if you sort of straight line over 30, 40 years, you actually do much better being in the market than trying to be in something like this to get the money out can be tricky. Some of that's return of capital. Some of that is tax-free, but you're right. And this is what happens. And maybe not in this case, because they got so much money in it, but in, in many cases, what happens is people take out the tax-free loans and the cost of insurance by the time they're in seventies and eighties is Goes really up. high. They can't afford the premiums. The thing fails. All of a sudden, all those tax-free loans are fully taxable and they got no money to pay the tax. Right. That, that's a danger. Now, in this particular case, maybe there's so much money in and maybe they make so much money they can avoid that, but it's still a huge concern of, of mine. Right. I mean, if they make a million dollars, they're putting 30% of their income right. into a life insurance contract. Yeah. And that's 30% before tax. They're not getting a tax to that. Right. Yeah. So it's half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's about, yeah. They're putting about half of their half of the income. income. Let's, let's see that, honey, we're putting half <laughs> into a life insurance policy. Does that sound right? Right. Um, you know, I don't know. Right. Um, but I get it. I mean, he's got strong beliefs Yep. The whole, um, you know, crypto tax is going to go through the roof. Everyone, you know. And yeah. But let's let's give her a little bit to chew on because I'm sure she wants to save her marriage. So, so there is, there is downside protection. Right. So that's a good it's thing. It's tax free. You got down. I mean, right. If he wants to call it a bond, you could call it a bond. I'm totally you, you fine could. with that because it's going to get anywhere from let's call it one to four percent. Um, you know, rate of return. Uh, the money is in a life insurance contract. So I don't know the life insurance, but but you're stuck with the contract. The life insurance companies can do anything they want in some cases, right? Uh, is it subject to change? What are the crediting methods on the money? Um, yeah, I don't. You, well, you're and you're you're basing half of your disposable income on a single insurance it, it, it company. It seems like we're trying to say the positives and it just kind of keeps going back. back. Sorry. Um, all right, so <laughs> it's tax free. <laughs> uh, you can call it a bond equivalent. I'm fine with that. Yep. Um, I think that um, well, as long as you you follow the rules appropriately, you can have tax free withdrawals. 
Um, so here, here's something I would say is a lot of times you, you, you get these, they call them illustrations, right? Like how does this play out over your lifetime? And in many cases, not all, in many cases, the, the, the agent that sold the policy, maybe there's a family member, maybe that's not true, but in many cases, they use a rate of return that's unrealistic. Sure. A lot higher rate of return. Right. Just to make the- so, so make sure that you, you have an illustration with a conservative rate of return, because that's probably what you're going to get on this and, and see how this plays out into your 70s, 80s, even 90s. And does this still make sense for you? Right. I think at, at a couple million dollars that you already have in the policy, let it grow. You're only 40 years old. You, let's say you want to retire in the next 15, 20 years or whatever it is, right? Maybe the, your, your new strategy is to say, hey, I think we're good with the life insurance. Right. Maybe we redirect the $300,000 into, you know, ETFs that are low cost and yeah. extremely tax efficient. Um, maybe we look at direct indexing where you can really dive in and, and look at um, multiple ways to tax loss harvest. Yeah, sure. Um, th- there's other investment strategies I think that he would get into if he's just educated on them. Right. You know, I, I think that the way or, or the, he has certain beliefs, right? It sounds like he has certain beliefs that he doesn't believe in the federal government. Um, playing nice in taxes right. or that, you know, cryptocurrencies is the wave of the future. Well, and that's probably how his family is. I mean, that's who sold him the policy. Sure. And and that's totally fine. And I think diversification in crypto and in that is fine, but I don't know. You, you just want to have a little bit of balance. And I think she's doing a good job of trying to bring that, that balance into play. And I wish M all the luck. Uh, yeah. Keep drinking that champagne, girl. Uh, appreciate everyone's uh, questions this week. Uh, hopefully we answered them all to your satisfaction. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for us. And we will see you again next week. The show's called Your Money and Wealth. Go to yourmoneywealth.com. Click on Ask Joe and Al. Uh, that's where you ask your questions and uh, we'll get back at it. Kicking yourself, dancing with the YMYW dance crew, Prior Ferry, and the Retirement Readiness Guide in the big old derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. You can do it by video call. Chances are one of the certified financial planner professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. You ever, you ever tried to kick yourself? I, I it's, do. It's hard. It is. It's, it's depends on what part of the really body you want to kick. <laughs> but if you can, more power to you. Yes. Um. Wait, she's not done. At the very end, she says on the podcast, you mentioned y'all were going to start a dance crew. What dance song would you pick? Love you guys. God bless and keep up the good work. Where are you reading that? It's, it's at the top of page top three. Of page. Oh, wow. <laughs> What dance song would you pick if we start a dance career? Oh, we're definitely starting the dance career. Yeah. See, I have seen Joe dance to uh, Michael Jackson, the Jackson 5. Um, I think it was ABC. I could, I, and I that should so. totally be his I dance song. I think I've song. seen Joe dance to every 
<laughs> Michael Jackson song. Yes, I'm a very I, good dancer. I, I think. Yes, it's true. I, I remember it was about an hour long thing. <laughs> it's that a performance. My friend Eric and I, we watched in, in Vegas. <laughs> it's like, wow, I'm going to sell my show tickets tonight. I've got the show right here. Yeah, I, I danced one time and, um, and then this one guy goes, you have to practice that, don't you? <laughs> like, no, it, it just it comes just, naturally. It does. When the it really hits, does. When the yeah. music hits, your, yeah. the hips, these so, hips, they don't lie. Something, Michael, I, I know what I would pick. I would pick Celebration. Oh, yeah. By Cool good. in the Game. Yeah. yeah. I sing that at okay. a wedding. Yeah. So my, my cousins got married. And then, so, you know, those stupid things that they do at weddings. Yeah. They, you know, you, you chime the glass and then they kiss. Right. Right. And then they're like, no, we don't want any chiming of the glass. We want someone to stand up and sing a song that has happy in it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And, okay. And so um, my uncle and uh, my brother and, you know, we're, we're in the back of the wedding. We're having a couple beers, enjoying right. the nice celebration. Sure. And then they're like, oh, you should get up and sing. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> so I get on the table and yeah. I start singing singing celebration you do right okay. and i'm like there's a party going oh, on right yeah right, right and then i'm thinking i'm like shoot there's, there's no, no there's happy, no happy there's in this no side. happy in this and i'm pointing i'm moving my hips i'm getting into it <laughs> and then everyone's looking at me they're like what is this idiot doing <laughs> and then i just kind of ended i was like happy <laughs> you inserted it yeah i just kind of, yeah. sounds perfect the happy song <laughs> yeah it is a very happy song so, I am surprised um, that you didn't do uh, Happy, the the song Happy. Oh, Who's that? That's yeah. by Pharrell, right? Yeah, yes. that's a Pharrell. Yeah. No, yep, I, that's a good one. Yeah, it didn't really come to me. Celebration, dude. Too I many beers. Yeah. Probably. Quiz lights yeah. were going down quite nicely at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to sing I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Bad. But... <laughs> you thought better than that. <laughs> that was inappropriate. Does right. that have happy in it? Uh, I doubt Different it. kind of happy. Anyway. Yeah, different kind of. Yeah, there's um, never. All right. <laughs> also, Joe. Since you like Fireball, how the hell does he know I like Fireball? You only must... mentioned it like half a dozen times. Oh, really? I it has been... it has come up. I thought he might yeah. be, you know, just scrolling by um, right. you know, my neighborhood, <laughs> looking at me in my garage. From Jacksonville. He flew out of here to look in your garage fridge, yeah. Just slamming Fireball and hey, went, went through Hanging your trash can. Went through your trash can at, <laughs> on whatever day the trash is picked uh, in. Uh, oh, Joe, not everybody is me stalking. Yeah. Um, you see, you've, you've, you've tainted me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, try a prior fairy. Prairie fire. Prairie. Oh, my God. Prior fairy. Prior fairy. That's a southern accent on that one. <laughs> oh, my well, I think, God. I think, I think we'll have me some prior fairy. Oh, prior fairy. <laughs> I think I just had a shot of fireball or something. A prairie fire. Gosh, I must have this prairie fire. Next time you feel frisky. Ooh, I think you'll like it. All right, brother. Do you ever not feel frisky, Joe? I'm frisky all the time. That's kind of what I thought. No, I just have a passion for life. So now you got to find Prior Fairy and uh, get yourself some of that. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of myself <laughs> drinking some Prior Fairy. <laughs> Prairie fire. It's pretty hard to say first. For... It is kind of hard, actually. <laughs> I, I, I'll give you that. <laughs> I was thinking, prairie fire. <laughs> it's like hooked on phonics. You got to really slow down here. Oh, all right. I'm going to try prairie fire. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. If any writes anything to us, 
Andy puts it on this piece of paper. We're <laughs> stars. We asked people the what they wanted to ask. Like, they had questions to be asked on the podcast, and these were their responses. Okay. Hey, Jill, thanks for sending out that um, retirement readiness guide. <laughs> Love, Larry. Okay, that was no, actually, there is a comment at the very end about the retirement readiness guide. I think it's about the retirement readiness guide, and it actually has some um, criti- critiques of it. Yeah, it okay. actually makes suggestions on ways that we could make the readiness guide better. Okay, yeah. well, good. Send that to the readiness guide creator. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>